You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to Behind the Braves, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves, everybody. I'm Ricky Mass from MLB.com, alongside my partner and co-host, Director of Braves Alumni Relations, World Series champ, Rookie of the Year runner-up in 93, uh, man of many nicknames, as I'm slowly discovering throughout the show, Greg McMichael. Greg, how are you, buddy? I'm good. Good. Glad to be here again today. Yeah, yeah. Me and you both. We're back here in our home in the alumni lounge. We've we've this off season. We've kind of been on a little mini tour with this, where we've been recording. We were in Las Vegas at Greg Maddox's house. Hank Aaron last episode, which was awesome. We were in the well, really the the clubhouse, but it was the coach's room, the co- coach's locker room, I guess. Coach's clubhouse, their area, yeah. which was pretty cool. Um, I was kind of taking a peek while we were in there, by the way, at Wash's locker and all the stuff he had in there. He had a full of shoes, and I think there was a big box of Cheerios in there. And it was, uh, I was, Don't I was tell snooping. All the secrets now. I know, I know. I was snooping a little bit. It made me, it made me hungry seeing those yeah. Cheerios. But all right, well, today we've got a, a, our special guest today, a teammate of yours. Uh, you've mentioned him before. You know, we, you know, we had Dale Murphy on last fall, and of course Andrew is a name that comes up a lot. And you talk about the the greatest center fielders you played with. Uh, Otis Nixon's name comes up a lot. Uh, the other one that comes up a lot, and rightfully so, is today's guest, Marquise Grissom. Uh, Marquise is doing some amazing work here. Of course, he's from Atlanta, played here in Atlanta, world, won the World Series here with you in Atlanta, and now he's doing great work in Atlanta. So just talk about your relationship with Marquise and uh, some of the work he's doing here. Yeah, Marquise is a um, quality guy. He He is just so down-to-earth. He is really has the mentality of giving back to where you know to his community, and and it's uh, it shows in what he's done with this foundation, the Marquise Grissom Baseball Association. He runs that with his wife Sharon, and they do a tremendous job. And, and as as we've talked about before, he's more concerned with the individuals being well-rounded, preparing them for life, trying to get these kids not only to become great ball players, but more importantly, to become great citizens and um, and helping them try to find their passion in life. So I love Marquise. He's one of the guys that's always been involved in what we've been doing here since 2010 with the Alumni Association. He's always been willing to be a part of whether it's fantasy camp or alumni weekend. Alumni Center is helping us uh, grow the game. You know, the Braves organization has always been um, giving back to the, to the youth in the Atlanta area whether it's through clinics or um, uh, just different ways that we bring people to the ballpark. He's always been involved in that, and he's always the first one to answer his phone and say, hey, what can I do to help? That's fantastic. And, and again, this is 
you know, with having, of course, Hank Aaron on the last episode of Behind the Braves, which, by the way, you know, if you haven't listened to it, you can listen to it wherever you get your podcasts, of course. But it's also, that's our first episode of Behind the Braves that's on YouTube. The full interview is on YouTube, so you can you can check that out. It's on the Braves YouTube page. And as this, this episode with Marquise, it'll also be up on the, the Braves YouTube page. So, you know, if you're not too scared of the sight of Greg and I, then, uh, <laughs> you know, you can enjoy these interviews on YouTube also. But, um but, yeah, and you're going to hear here Marquise, the interview with Marquise, the, some of the great work he's doing. One thing I, I wanted to point out before we get to it with him is I, I was kind of asking him about, you know, how do we get – it's Black History Month. How do we get more young African-American athletes into the big leagues and, and that sort of thing? And I thought it, you're going to hear his answer there, but his answer to me is interesting in that with what he, the work he's doing, yes, maybe it will produce some, some great ballplayers to go to the big leagues, but – He's trying to help. I don't want to say raise. I don't. Maybe that's not the right word to use there. But he's trying to shape young lives and make them good adults and good upstanding people. And as you said, help them find their path in life. And you know me, I'm so focused on just the, the baseball family. It's like, okay, how do we get more athletes playing baseball? How do we get the best athletes out of some of these other sports and playing baseball? And then it's kind of a re, it's a reality check for me when you hear somebody like Marquise say he's he's yes he's do, using the game of baseball to help shape people and human beings for their lives and it's uh it's pretty incredible yeah that's a great point and marquise is definitely the guy to do that we have other alumni that are definitely involved in that space and whether it's brian jordan um that's you know he has a little bit different focus i mean he has literacy focus but uh but those guys have real have really impacted the community around atlanta and i love being involved with what marquise is doing not only because I just he's a great he was a great teammate he's a great individual and it's fun hanging out with him, but also just the impact he's making and it's definitely felt and uh, you see it in the lives of the kids that that are involved and even the families. I mean they have parents speak. I go to his gala every year. Uh, would encourage you if you if you did want to support a great cause then you can go to mgba.org and see what Marky's doing. He does have a golf tournament that's in the late summer early fall as well as the gala that's held every year at the beginning of February, you can get involved. We have a bunch of people from Fantasy Camp that come down every year to support Marquise and what he's doing, and uh, it's just a great cause. But it, it does make impact. You see exactly uh, when you when you um, donate money and you get involved, you see the impact that it makes. It's pretty evident. Absolutely. Well, without further ado, we're, we want to we want you to hear from Marquise himself some of the work he's doing. Again, as Greg said, mgba.org. Go there, check it out. And I think after you hear uh, Marquise speak about it, you're going to be that much more amped and inclined to go there and check out the great work he's doing. So here he is, Braves alum Marquise Grissom. Mark gets the sign, the wind, and the pitch. Here it is, swung. Fly ball, deep left center, Grissom on the run! Yes! 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 The Atlanta Braves have given you a championship! Listen to this crowd! All right, Grip, welcome to Behind the Braves here in the Alumni Lounge. Glad to have you. Yeah, appreciate it, Matt. Glad to be here. Yeah, well, we get to see each other a lot um, with Fantasy Camp and... Alumni weekend, alumni yeah. Sundays, you're real involved with what we're doing. So we appreciate you and everything that you're doing. And uh, people might not know this, but uh, you're nicknamed Grip, right? And sometimes I'll say Grip and people are like, what would you call him? Mm-hmm. You I- actually said that when we were interviewing Greg yeah. Maddox in Vegas. And you said, I think it was Greg Maddox. And you said Grip. And I actually, I didn't know. I was like, wait, who is Grip? And I <laughs> yeah. meant to ask you, okay, so right. here he is. Here's Grip. Okay. Yeah, what's right. the story on that? Yeah. Well, um, 
in all sports, football, uh, quarterback, baseball, I was a pitcher. And um, basketball, I played point guard. So I had the ball all the time. So they called me grip. Oh, okay. <laughs> Can you palm awesome. a ball? I can palm a basketball. Wow. Maybe, maybe right now, Mac. You know, look at that. Big I head. know. You got some big paws there. Yeah. Can you dunk? Or did you dunk in what time? <laughs> we all used to say we used to dunk. <laughs> <laughs> but I could dunk. Actually, 5'10", about 165 back in high school. I could dunk, but um, that wasn't my expertise. I was a defensive guy, so I would go in and probably guard the best guy on every team. Yeah. For a quarter or two and, you know, put somebody else on them after I got tired. But uh, I was that defensive specialist number six man coming off the bench. There you go. Well, you were that's some uh, that's some skills for and some vertical for you to get up at uh, your height. Mac, I got hops. I know, on, I know. I'm an athlete. Hey, I heard your name this morning <laughs> on MLB. Can you believe that they're breaking out the Marquise Grissom uh, comparison? So they're talking about Murray, the kid that uh, just turned down the yeah. age contract yeah. and decided they're going to be a quarterback. I don't know how he's going to be a quarterback in the NFL, being five nine or whatever. But I guess if D- Doug Flutie can do it, he can do it. But anyway, they they were comparing. They were saying that he would be the type of player, center fielder, you know that. Um, and I guess uh, the guy from the Reds, the former GM Bowden, mm-hmm. was breaking out the Marquise Grissom. He felt like that he would be that type of a player. So hey, wow. you got some, yeah, comparing you to That's young quarterback from Oklahoma. That's pretty good. I didn't know he knew anything <laughs> about my quarterback skills. Either. I was to say They're coming good. coming out of high school. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you were you were well. You just said it. I mean, you always had a ball in your hands, but you were you kind of had a choice to make coming out of high school, going into college as to which sport you're going to play. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, you you got back then. It was like you know. I went and tried out for the Cincinnati Red. I think Cam Bonifay was the scout back then. And um, I actually lied about my age. You had to be a senior. And I lied about my age. I wanted to be out there so bad. <laughs> and I lied and said I was 18 years old. And I actually was 17, 11th grade. And um, I went to the tryout, and they picked the top five guys f- to come out the next day. And I was one of those guys. And I had to admit at that day that, hey, I got one more year of high school left. And so Cam Bonifay pulled me to the side. He said, tell you this, go home. You do 100 sit-ups and 100 push-ups every day. Expect to see you back again next year. And next year I went back. Cam Bonifay had to try it up at Southwest Cab College. And I went and tried out, and they drafted me out of high school. Wow. Mm. And back then, $25,000 was a lot of money. And um, I went home and told my parents they, they wanted to draft me out of high school. And she was like, you ain't going to no military. <laughs> You're not going to no military. And I said, Mom, it's not, it's not the military. It's baseball. And they're going to give me $25,000. In an instant, she was like, where's that? <laughs> and that's how we were back then, man. It's like I wanted to take those $25,000 then and go play baseball. Yeah. But um, baseball was that one sport that challenged me. I thought I could play football at the next level. Division One college football, I really thought I could. And uh, but when I got offered that money out of high school to go play baseball, something clicking like, okay, go where you can do both. So Florida A&M offered me an opportunity to play both football and baseball. And just like a little small brat, I got down to Florida A&M. I seen the football team. It didn't look like when I went to you know Purdue University on a visit, or when I went to Auburn down there, and that was a totally <laughs> different brand of football. Yeah. And I just thought about, it. I said, you know what, I'm gonna just stick to baseball. And I knew I was. You know, could have been a start on that football team at Florida A&M, but uh, you know what? I decided, I said, you know what? I'm going to go out here and just stick to baseball. So I started right then, went straight down to the baseball field, started getting the batting cage together, getting the field together to start baseball practice. And I was down there by myself for the first month and a half. 
Yeah, it was probably a good experience. <laughs> I know why you like cutting hay now. <laughs> Florida A&M, right? I, hey, I learned how to work early in our household, man. Fifteen of us. I bet. <laughs> yeah, you had bet. seven brothers and seven sisters, and you, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. What was that? Was what was it like growing up in that kind? Of, I, did that make, did growing up with that many siblings make you that much more competitive in life? You think? Of or, course. Yeah. Of course. I'm, I'm I'm number fourteen out of fifteen. Wow. So you might the baby of the family in the girls section. She's older than me, two years older than me. So. I kind of got it from both ends, from all the boys and then from all the girls. You know, it was a beat down every day. I couldn't watch <laughs> cartoons. She wanted to watch soap operas. And, you know, the two youngest in the family, me and my brother Antonio, we did the bulk of the work growing up. And we did the babysitting in the family. You know, we did all of that stuff. And uh, you couldn't go out and play any sport and do none of that stuff until you did your homework mm. and stack that wood on that porch or cut that grass or fed the pigs and the, and the cows. You couldn't do none of that stuff, and and that's where I think I got the discipline and the focus from at an early age where other kids out having a good time. I'm working at home on the farm and trying to survive mm-hmm. each and every day. And uh, thank the Lord for my great parents who, who really um, raised 15 kids and 38 nieces and nephews Man. with um, a job from Ford Motor Company, you know, and my mom was a housewife all her life, so. They did an extra job of raising all of us. That was a serious job she had. Yeah. I don't know how she did it, but but she Man. did. Well, it probably made you appreciate the time you did get to go out and play pickup ball outside with the neighborhood kids or you got to go out and play. You know, you tell the story about the guy who who um, picked you up and to start yeah. taking you to practice. And, and I love the story about McDonald's and stuff. And I know R- Ricky wants to hear it too. Talk about mm-hmm. when you threw the car, you threw the rock at the car. Yeah, man. That's, that's how it all started for me. I'm seven years old, man. And we out in the middle of the road playing uh, stick ball. And we playing with a broom handle. And we got a little small little ball bigger than a, a this side of a rubber ball of a, a baseball and put tape around it and wrapped it up and made us a little baseball. And um, it's one way in our neighborhood, one way out. So, Whenever a car would come down the road and disturb our game, we all had a pile of rocks on the side of the road. Everybody had their <laughs> own pile. And we would rock the car. If it didn't come through fast enough to, you know, to get us back on the, uh, in the street to play our game, we would rock the car. And on this particular time, a guy cruising down on a big old Cadillac, and he just taking his time. And we get out of the road nice and easy, and then reach over there. Everybody going to standing beside their side of, of their pile of rocks, and we just can't wait. So to go out the neighborhood, you had to go down the street, then up a hill. So in the, in the fork of the road right there is a house. So my job, for me, I knew I had the strongest arm, so I would throw the, I would wait to the car, make the turn, go up the hill, and I would try to time it and throw it over the house so he couldn't see me throw <laughs> and time it so it, <laughs> it would hit his car. <laughs> so I would wait to the very end, let everybody throw, and I don't really think they wanted to hit the car. I think that was just the evil in me wanting to see how far I could throw this rock <laughs> and try to time it to hit that car. And I, and I was pretty good at it. I actually did it a bunch of times, <laughs> not just one time. And this particular time, he went up the street, and I and I just waited, and I waited, and I held the rock. And all of a sudden, everybody listening for the sound. It goes ding, 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 and it hit the car, and all of a sudden, the car come back and down the hill. He backs down the hill. He's come back, and he's run to some of the guys that he see and, and asked them to come here, and me, I can't run into my house. My house is directly across the street. <laughs> my dad is in the back working on Morris. He's 6'5", 280. <laughs> 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 so anyway, 
I'm crying tears because I see them down there talking to the guy, and they're, they're, I know they're telling on me. I know they're telling <laughs> on me. <laughs> so here he comes, here he comes, and all of a sudden he comes to me and says, did you throw that rock and hit my car? I'm crying in tears. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> I did. <laughs> so he said, tell you what, where you live at? My dear, I'll make a deal with you. If you would come and play on my baseball team, I won't tell your mom and dad that you hit my car with a rock, and I'll pick you up every day. Bingo. That's a heck of a Bingo deal. Bingo for me. Yeah, so man. anyway, goes in the house, introduce him to my mom and dad. I'm still in tears. And they, my mom and dad, they already know what's wrong with me because I done did this before. <laughs> 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 so they make the deal, and my mom and dad literally told him, if you can come pick him up every day and feed him, you can have him. Wow. Mm. So he did that for four years. That's how I got into organized baseball, and um, he pretty much – Stayed with me all the way through high school, through college, through my whole baseball career. No kidding. That's incredible. Thomas Wilson. Thomas Wilson, that's TJ. right. He just recently passed just away. Two years ago. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We, uh, we got to hear the story at yeah. your fundraiser event. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty powerful. And just to see his wife up there talking about it and talk about how much he cared about you, that that's a great story. Well, we, we want to transition talk a little bit about um, – what's going on with you now uh this is black history month so uh, we appreciate you coming on we know you have or doing or that you're doing some great work in the african-american community here in atlanta hank touched on that on our last episode of behind the braves and we know that he's been involved with you i've seen him at at your golf tournament he came Mm -hmm. to your fundraising event Mm -hmm. But um, tell us a little bit about MGBA. I know you work for your wife, Sharon, um, <laughs> and uh, she's doing a great job with that, and she's keeping you in line. But um, but tell us just a little bit about what your focus is there, and then we'd like to talk, you know, just ask some questions about your perspective on some of the things that are going on in, in baseball. Yeah. Well, well, Mac, it's been 13 years ago we started MGBA, and solely because it give that um, – the, the kids in, in, in the African-American community an opportunity to learn the game and play the game. So, you know, we talk about this all the time about um, kids get an opportunity to play the game at the highest level. So uh, I, I truly believe there's three different levels of, of, of baseball. you got rec ball, which I think is is pretty much eliminated now. Uh, and then you got U-Triple-S-A in the middle of the road ball. Then you got travel ball. So I've seen – this this wave and this change of movement of baseball happening, so I wanted to see what I could do about it. And for me, I wanted to um, not use the African American c- community, but I wanted to start in the African American community. You know, that's just one of my my location, but that's not the destination. Mm. So I want to be able to go in there, revamp fields, create an ap- a, a safe atmosphere for these kids to have an opportunity to learn the game and play the game even rec ball at that level. But I had to jump in on the travel ball level to where I can kind of maneuver my way through to, to see, you know, how how do we get back to rec ball? How do we get back to every kid playing baseball or softball to its highest level, um, which may fit for that individual? You know, some kids are just sure. college college players. Some are just high school players. Some are just rec ball players. But give each and every kid an opportunity to learn the game and play the game at its highest level for for them, mm-hmm. because we know at the next level, you know, they're going to fizzle out at twelve, thirteen anyway. But to create that atmosphere and to have every kid get an equal opportunity to learn and play. So in doing that over the last um, thirteen years, uh, come upon now is 
in a good good situation for us as an organization who really like to develop. We're in the development space to where teaching teaching the kids the game, the baseball IQ, the financial literacy, the computer programming, the um, SAT, ACT prep, tutorial program, um, the the whole thing, the one stop shop where where a kid can go learn. And I really think uh, just like the academies that you know MLB have in Dominican and Puerto Rico, I really just think every MLB team should have an academy somewhere, mm -hmm. somewhere. Mm -hmm. So that is the big picture. But for me, being on the ground, being in that development space, I just know that there's that that's a place where I belong. I'm not a GM. You know, I just know I'm in the development space where I need to be on the field. I need to have not one kid. I don't do one lesson, two lessons. I want two, three hundred kids. I think that's the, I'm 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 that kind of person. I want to develop. I want them to get it. I want them to understand that uh, this game, baseball, that we all love, is a beautiful game. If you if you focus and if you're disciplined and if you're determined, you can you can do anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it it's just goes beyond that's it's the life lessons beyond the field that you're teaching there too. I mean, it's just giving them a, a good place to learn how to grow up and be a a man or a a, a woman and a, just an adult, really. You know, just giving them a safe place to. Uh, to grow and that's that's amazing one thing i asked uh, hank about and i wanted to ask you you know sadly in the last few decades we've seen a decline in the number of african-american ball players make it to the big league level and just playing the game at higher levels in general what is the one thing or what is is there one particular thing as an industry that we all need to be doing a better job of to to help that trend turn the other way and i know this past opening day we did see a, a little bit of a rise for the first time in a number of years which is great but how do we make that trend keep keep growing and keep, keep growing higher and getting more young African-American athletes playing baseball and eventually to the big leagues? Well, I, I really think the overall picture for me is to enhance the whole game. So if we if we were if we were able to go back and have that, that reg ball like it used to be and have the proper coaching, which that will be the next step above, now we start de developing those kids at a young age, not just in the African-American community, but all kids enhancing the game. You know, our game has taken a shift and a turn with the sabermetrics and the uh, analytics, that's fine. You know, we got to make that adjustment. You know, as, as a group, we got to make that adjustment. So for our kids to make those adjustments and test well and understand the game, they have to have the information. They have to have a place to play. They have to have somebody to tell them because they don't know. And I went, and went to the big leagues and coached one year in 2009 and realized I had two or three outfielders who didn't know how to field a ground ball. Mm. So you may get there with your bat, but we we trying to build a well-rounded student athlete. So we we're not trying to produce any major league baseball players. Okay. We want them to graduate from high school and go to college. So that's that's our biggest focus now. We we know the kids that even though with the African American kids, even though the kids that are real 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 good, they need it the most. Because I was one of those kids that were real 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 good. And didn't know it. I'm just glad my parents raised me the way they did and didn't have the big head and didn't walk around like I was that. I just was humble and kept working. But I had that coach who taught me how to field the ball at an early age, T.J. Wilson. Taught me how to act a little bit on and off the field at an early age. Ain't no crying in baseball. You know, you can't open the door for the lady. All that little stuff that they taught us along the way. It's part of the discipline, it's part of the focus, it's part of the makeup. And when we have those 
kind of relationship with those kids, that's what set us apart from everybody. And I and that's that's what that's what we do. That's what we learned growing up with fifteen brothers and sisters and the family orientation or the family gathering and just like here in ninety five when we won, everything was together. You know, sure holds from top to bottom it was It's one cohesive it was, unit. It, it was just like that and, mm-hmm. and, and nobody was gonna beat us. We we knew what we were doing, we knew what we were going. So when everybody's working together, it's it's a different ball game. And the same thing with building the youth academies or building whatever we build or whatever we bring together, the pieces together, it has to work for everybody. Well you're <clears throat> you're definitely building character in these kids when when I watch them, especially at your events and I see them about not only the stuff that they're doing on the field but off the field. They just they are they do seem like well rounded young men. And we know that the game of baseball teaches you so much more about life than it does just how to be a great ball player. But there's things about adversity and, and respect and and being coachable, mm-hmm. things that you need in the workforce, things that you need in life and in your marriage. And that's what I love about the game, being an athlete playing baseball, is that there's an endurance factor. There is a lot of things that just help you to become that well-rounded individual so that you can excel in, excel in whatever you're passionate about. And that's what I love about the game. I love about your organization because you are working with these kids to, to find some way to get to college if they're gifted athletically, which a lot of them are, then then they'll probably get to go somewhere and play. But more importantly, they're learning life skills, and, and you're passing along what somebody taught you, a coach took you under his wing, like you shared the story earlier when you were younger, and, and I see you doing the same thing. And, of course, you have a couple of boys still at home, and, and aren't they? And, well, you got uh, DeMonte and mm-hmm. Marquise Jr., right? So Those they're two. both in the program, right? Tell yeah. us how they're doing. Yeah. Well, um, DeMonte is a, a, one of my oldest kids. He's 26, yeah, 26, March 30th. Wow. I'm trying to, I got to keep up with him. So. <laughs> <laughs> but um, great athlete, um, played high school baseball at Whitewater, um, went on to Tallahassee Community College and played and went from there to middle middle Georgia, you know, just, just searching for um, a way to get drafted. Hmm. Not understanding the process of got to go to school, got to go to class. And he's one of those guys that didn't want to go to class. He could not stand going to school. And I was pretty much the same way. But um, it's something just told me I got to go to college. I just, I just got to go to college. Got to get out of here. Got tired of <laughs> slinging the wood in the backyard and <laughs> pulling water from a well, drawing water from a well, five gallon bucket, 105 feet deep. Do that, do that 50 times every morning at 5, 6 in the morning. <laughs> Make <laughs> you want to go to college. Yeah, <laughs> <go> to college. <laughs> but anyway, he, he did very well. Um, actually, his first year in college at Tallahassee Community College, he hit for the cycle. The first game. Nice. And I oh, told him, awesome. dude, it's all downhill <laughs> after that. It's he thought over. this game's easy. Yeah, it's <laughs> over. <laughs> and, 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 and I was serious. I'm like, dude, it's all downhill for real. He thought it was a joke. And eventually uh, he left there and coached clean house and he went to middle Georgia on scholarship and played there. And we had a conversation about just sending about 300 bucks and he's driving to go to class. I said, man, that 300 bucks last you, you know, at least a month and a half. He called me back within like 10 days. Dad, I need some more money. I said, dude, you can't be going to class. 
you can't be. And he was like, I hate going through those doors. I just hate it. <laughs> and I told him, I said, dude, pack the car up and come on home. Come on home. And it's two hours, and I guarantee you he was at home an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> he was at home that fast. And I said, I don't know what you're going to do with the rest of your life, man, but you you got to go. It's time to go. You're 21 years old. You got to become something. So he's been well invested into the program. You know, I'm still trying to get him to go to that next level. He could he could scout. Uh, he probably worked with 10 or 15 major leaguers right now. He can be an agent. I'm just trying to get him to do anything that he wants to do. But right now he's trying to develop an app who's doing well. And uh, so he should be in the game of baseball no matter what. Now, the 17-year-old is at Counterpain Montessori. He's a, at private school. He's doing well. He's accepted a um, – got offered a full ride from Georgia Tech. Nice. As a pitcher. And um, 3.6, got to keep that grade point average up to get in tech. And uh, he's on that technology, man, and that um, engineering. So, I'm happy about that. Wow, so good for him. All that hard work over all the last couple of years where I want to just beat him down. <laughs> beat him to death <laughs> and fight with him, get him to work out, to run, to exercise, to eat right, to go to bed, you know, with everything that's going on with social media and what he wants to do. He's done a, one heck of a job of maturing the last couple of years. And that father-son relationship is great. And uh, he's driving now. I can back off and give him a little breathing room, but as long as he don't miss his workouts. Mm -hmm. So he's been on it for the last three and a half months where he hasn't missed not one workout. So I'm just happy and thankful for that. That's great. I know we 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 talked to uh, Tom Glavin about his son playing at playing at Auburn and and Greg Maddox, his son. He's coaching his son at UNLV. And one thing I I asked them, and I'm curious to know from you as well, is with your son and coaching your own son, do you do you wait for him to come to you? Like if he wants advice specifically something baseball related, do you wait for him to come to you for that advice, or are you you're not shy about going right up to him like you see something he's doing on the field and you're you're immediately offering advice whether he, whether he wants to listen to you or not or are you which 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 kind of is your style with coaching your own son well i um i had two older boys that i coached before that so i gave him you know i gave but those two the options i said well ken griffey junior you know brett boone barry buns and all them i said i heard the stories of you know barry telling me his dad made him come down there and do it made him come down there and do it two o'clock in the morning. I want to hear that sound. I want to hear that sound in that garage. Don't you leave until I hear that sound. So I gave my kids the option, my two older boys, you want me to make you do it or you want to do it on your own? And I got one I got one and one. So I didn't do either. I just spent them off on my on their uncle, Antonio, who's got all the experience in the world. And even with my son today, spent him off on Marvin and Antonio. They they got the experience and they got the knowledge. My key with my son is we're going to work out. I'm going to work out with you. We're going to throw together. I'm just want, I want to stay on the work. I want him to outwork him. I don't do none of that other coaching with the pitching. I don't do none of that. But we're going to run. We're going to exercise. We're going to eat right. And we're going to go to bed. So that's kind of like with him. That's what I'm doing. I just I don't want to be as I don't want to be as he don't need a coach. I didn't want no coach when I was playing. And to get him to be self-sufficient on his own. Now, I'm throwing some stuff at him like, hey, man, be all right if you, uh, you know, he, he he goes off on me. He goes, you ain't do nothing. I said, well, I don't, you, ain't, you, ain't, you ain't do nothing. You, you, I, I'll strike you out. I said, okay. I said, what do you mean you didn't do nothing? You mean in you the game. 
Yeah, you've seen yeah, that you, yeah, yeah, your stats aren't that yeah, good. Ain't that oh, good. Yeah. So I was like, you go, you go look on the back of that card. I said, tell you what, <laughs> you want to be better than me, you be in the big leagues at 21. Yeah. Okay, do that. When you're a side young, by 25. Do that. If you want you want you talk about I ain't do nothing, no, you do something. You ain't did nothing. So we go back and forth like that. But I'm trying to give him information that he's going to experience later on. I already done seen the success. I'm trying to mentally stimulate mm-hmm. him and keep him working and keep him in check as far as his ego and all that kind of yep. stuff. Great kid, and I love him. And um, it's just a good spot right now for me and him. <laughs> you know, yeah. to be able to, he comes in and get his work in. And, and I can tell by the weights in, in the weight room where he done went from 35 pounds to 95 pounds. Too wow. much. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. like – I get out of there. So when I see that, I go back upstairs. <laughs> right. Well, his first big challenge will be Georgia Tech. I mean, he yeah. he may not have been he he's probably not been challenged to this point if you really think about it. But yeah. his first big challenge is walking into the ACC. Yes. Working walking into a big time Division one program, seeing everybody like him. Well, I'd say sixty percent, forty percent of the guys will be similar. You know, his talent level. Mm-hmm. And he'll be challenged, you know, mm-hmm. and and that'll be the first test for him to see what kind of mental makeup he has. And so the stuff that you're doing is probably really good for him because he doesn't know what he doesn't know. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if you were doing just a scouting report on what kind of pitcher he is, I mean, what coming out of high school, what, what kind of pitcher uh, do you think he is or what style of pitcher do you think he is? He's trying to be a power pitcher. But, um, you know, nine, eight or nine. You know, Andy May is a guy who uh, – I'll never forget this. Andy May is a guy who – he's that guy that had the independent league. If you don't finish high school and college or any minor league, you're trying to get back to the independent league. He was one of those guys that tried to get those guys at least back in the independent league ball, which I thought was very needed in the game of baseball. You know them guys on their last leg. Mm-hmm. And then got released or high school, didn't go to college, but but really good. Mm-hmm. And he would help those guys get the independent league ball. He took interest in Marquise Jr. and was trying to show him how to pitch. He came home seven years old. You got a YouTube out there when he's seven with a big old bat hitting. And then he had the little pitching video. He came home a week after that. I want to be a pitcher. I want to be a pitcher. And we started playing catch. Started putting targets up. And by nine, it was in the spots. Yeah. <coughs> Boy, you might be a pitcher. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I, I kind of left it on, and I kept watching 10, 11, 12, and okay, okay. Now let's hit. I'm trying to throw him off. We started hitting, and he just he was he was real weak on the lower half. So we just started building the lower half up to get him to understand how to use the lower half. Now he's really learning how to use the lower half. Now Mac under control where, because he got so much power. Now he trying to. Now he got to control that, mm-hmm. and con- he can continue to work. So that's how he learned it, learned how to pitch, without anybody teaching him. So then, of course, we got him with Marvin and anybody else who, you know, with Flash had him, and I even wanted to get it with him because he threw he threw junk. <laughs> He, I, he threw junk. That, he, he was cheating. He was cheating. Him and Maddox were cheating. Right. <laughs> but you know, that change up, right? But, but still, yeah. now it's all about the spin rate. That's mm-hmm. why, I, and I and I told Mac I wanted to get him with him seriously on that because his stuff was different. He got he got a good fastball. He got a two seam. He got a great change up, and he's working on the breaking ball. But to be able to mix some of that stuff that he had in that. 
that he had, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. That's that's something that's something you you talk about a lot here on yeah. behind the Braves. I mean, you bring up your the, the change up and yeah. and you know how that kind of was the 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 major yeah. key to your career, really. Well, kind of if you if you listen to what they're saying now in the industry, the whole the holy grail is the spin rate, but they're always talking about how to increase the spin rate, which mm-hmm. makes the ball not decrease. You know, uh, you know, as far as gravity, the ball going down, the spin rate keeps it up a little mm-hmm. bit. So because they're all trying to hit that spot. You know, they're throwing mid. If you're right-handed, you got better throw mid, mid to upper 90s, mm-hmm. and they want you to hit that top of the zone. And in order to do that, you got to have the spin rate. And and so it, it, the ball, what we used mm-hmm. to say, would, like Smoltzy would throw, the ball jumped. Yeah. And it really, it's just an optical illusion. You know, the ball doesn't jump, but it doesn't go down as much as everybody else. So the ball stays higher in the zone, yeah. and it's tough to hit. Well. I was always trying to decrease the spin rate because I wanted the ball digging and I wanted the ball going down. And back when we were pitching, the toughest pitch to hit was down and away, sinking, or, you know, the ball down the zone. And, and guys didn't – I think earlier, before that period of time, guys did pitch up in the zone more. Mm-hmm. And so the game evolves a little bit. So, I, I mean, I'm just predicting that as the spin rates, you know, right now they don't know how to increase the spin rate. That's just one of those God-given abilities to be able to do that. But even if you can't increase it, you can still pitch up in the zone. My prediction is when everybody starts pitching up in the zone and they start hitting that one spot where all the batting averages are bad, mm-hmm. they're gonna the hitters will adjust because hitters aren't that dumb, mm-hmm. right? They'll mm-hmm. adjust, and then all of a sudden they'll be looking for other ways. So the, they'll show the statistics will show that well that batting average went from you know 189 to now. 245 so we better find now we see that the ball down and away is now that's the zone where guys aren't hitting because the hitters adjusted here they can't do both so if they're hitting this now then now all of a sudden we got to go back to that and so they'll be looking for ways to to sink the ball maybe they'll still be throwing hard but now they'll be looking for the hard sinker and and that's where that you'll want to decrease the spin rate because you can't increase it you know and still hit that spot you want to decrease it and then make the ball move and sink so that's a long you know answer to that but that's really I think if you can learn to do both now then you're prepared for the next 10 or 15 years yeah and (laughs) I didn't mean that in a negative way it ain't no it's filthy I should have said filthy Mm mm-hmm well, my yeah. nickname was yeah. Dookie, so yeah. I mean, you know. I didn't want to face him at all. See, I I'd heard the nickname was Harry, but that's, <laughs> that's, that's, see, that was that's, a couple people have told me that, but you know. We all uh, have multiple nicknames. <laughs> <laughs> it's apparently, yeah, apparently so, yeah. Well, that's great. Well, we uh, I know it's exciting to have your son um, doing well, and it'll be great to watch him. I've got a nephew playing up at Barry, and uh, just starting, he's a freshman, and I know it's exciting to uh, to possibly see him well is he a junior or senior right yeah, now junior, junior, he's a junior okay so we got a couple of years to go yeah. watch him watch him play so um but it, uh, yeah that's that's all good stuff and yeah i i know i i would be remiss just the fan side of me the the little ricky mass that grew up watching you guys play in the 90s i i would have to ask a little bit real quickly just about the final out in 95 because that's just the fan of me has to ask <laughs> um I, i'm just curious I've watched that replay a thousand times as a fan of, of the, you catching the final out, and it's it's burned in my mind. Was there even a hint of, like, when the ball came off the bat, was there even a hint of extra nervousness because it was the last out, or were you instantly just like, I'm about to catch the last out of the World Series. We got it. It's no, over. I was locked in. Yeah. I was like, I, know the, I noticed the ball was fading a little bit left field, and it was like, that was my ball. 
and I was going for it, and it was it was an easy catch. I already had visualized not me catching the last out, but us winning the World Series. I didn't care who caught the last out, but us win- I already had visualized us winning. And we had the we had the best team, best pitching staff, best front office, best coaches. We had everything. And to be able to catch the last out, it was it was another play. You know, you you live for those moments. You know what I'm saying? That's what we play for. Mm-hmm. And but everything did go in the matrix. Now everything slowed down, and I was going <laughs> in slow motion. It looked like it wasn't gonna never come down, <laughs> but it came down. And man, I'm like, we just won the World Series. Not only that, I'm at home. Mm-hmm. Right. I grew up right down the street. Mm-hmm. And I thought, of, and the thought went in the back of my mind: go ahead and retire now. Now Smitty wasn't in left, was he? <laughs> no, it was Smitty was over on the, yeah. on the foul yeah. line. <laughs> You had to catch it. Bobby used to tell me, hey, you know Smitty out there, don't you? <laughs> That's Dwight Smith. What, what was that like when you – because coming off of 94, off of the strike season, you, you were with that great Montreal team, but yeah. then you get traded to the hometown Braves. Was there any extra pressure coming home, or was it just all excitement you're coming home to play in the big leagues? Well, it was extra extra pressure. I just didn't see it till afterwards, you know, till probably after the 95 season. You kind of go back and reflect. I'm like, dang, trying to leave 45. I'm leaving 30 and 40 tickets every day. That alone mm. was a headache for me. And I'm looking back, I'm like, how in the world I do that? No, that I abuse the system. <laughs> I, got, <laughs> I got his tickets every day. I got everybody's tickets every, right. every day. And I remember this quote that Eric Davis said. It was like, you want to see me play? You want to see me play? You got to pay. <laughs> <laughs> I probably should have told my family that, too. <laughs> That's good. Well, yeah. Too bad you weren't married to Sharon back then. She would she would have whipped all that oh, right in yeah, shape. It would have been in shape, dude. I'm telling you, it would have been in shape. Yeah. That's good. Well, one one last question for me. We want to be respectful of your time, but one one, one more question about the, the the last out. And I've read the story. I just kind of wanted to hear you tell it. Um, the 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 ball, the last out. You gave it to a, a security guard at the stadium, and I just yeah. wanted to know that story and how that how that came about. Well, it, it started when I first came to the Braves. So just a little short lady security guard. I didn't know her name. So, um, you know me, I just run out of the dugout, and I'm, and I'm speaking to everybody. I say, hey, shorty. And, boy, <laughs> she lit into me. She's like, my name ain't <laughs> Like, wait a minute, I'm just trying to be nice and speak. So, <laughs> so, so over the period of from then on, this is the first game, first game of the season. So from then on, you know, we kind of develop a relationship, and I'll be like, you know, I may call a shorty, and then all of a sudden I just, I'm joking, and she'll be like, get your butt out there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, of course, um, you know, she kind of, we kind of clean together and all that stuff. So make a long story short, game six of the World Series, she told me, she asked me, said, give me that ball at the end of the game. That's enough said. She was like, you give me that ball at the end of the game. I want that ball when you catch the last out of the World Series game. I want that ball. And all of a sudden, I didn't even think anything about it. The ball was hit, and I caught the ball. I don't even remember giving it to her. And then all of a sudden, she reminded me that before I came in, I never jumped on the pile till late because I had to come. I'm the last one coming mm-hmm. from center field. And I, f- I don't I know. Did. I might have been the last one. <laughs> 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 you might be right. You might be right. You might, and I flipped her the ball. And then all of a sudden, I got the ball back, and I signed it for her, and I was like, yeah, I, I remember now. I remember now. So, anyway, uh, we've been talking over the last um, couple of months. I'm actually meeting her Thursday to get the ball That's back. That's awesome. No kidding. Yeah. She's a sweetheart. Yeah, she, get, she awesome. gave it to her son in the military when he was in the military, sent it to him. He came back from the military, I want to say seven or eight years ago. He gave it back to her. 
And she offered it to me. And I was like, nah, you keep it. And then um, something just inside of me was like, she offered it to you again. Get that ball. Yeah. yeah. And What's she your name, Gail? Faith. Faith, okay. I don't know her last name, but her okay. name is Faith or yeah. Faith Faith. Okay. Yeah, a little short lady. She yeah, used, she used to be with the Hawks. And she big get, smile. Yeah. She was sweet. Yeah, she was funny, man, but she feisty, boy. She <laughs> she, lit, she lit into me. <laughs> That's incredible. Because especially, I mean, the temptation for anybody, yeah. you know, to, to – well, just put it out there to make some money on something like that because that's obviously very valuable. It would be there, but that's that shows you what kind of person she is to hang on yeah. to it and what kind of person she raised in her yeah. her kid in the military to give it back. I and mean, that's that's yeah. incredible. What a cool story. I'm going to give her a little something for it. I'm going to give it. ain't going to be free now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to give her a little right. something for it. And I, but, but I appreciate the opportunity and think that she she's thought enough for me to give it back, you know, so yeah. to even mm-hmm. offer it back. So um, I'm excited about it. Actually, like I said, actually, I'm going to meet her on Thursday and um, get the ball back. So I'm excited That's about it. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, it's been a blast having you on. Uh, we appreciate you sharing your story. We appreciate your passion for what you're doing. I think you're a great example to not only your kids but the other alumni. I know we have a lot of guys in our group that support you, that are always there to come to the golf tournament and be a part of it. I, it's, I love, I told Hank this, I really appreciate him being involved in what you're doing. And, you know, and he just said, well, you know, I, I do what I can at my age, but, but mm-hmm. it's just great to see him interested. And I know that, um, that uh, he appreciates what you're doing. And so it's good to see guys like Marvin Freeman working yeah. with you. Yeah. I know we have a lot of guys in the area, <clears throat> Dwight Smith and Terry Harper, Pete Smith, mm-hmm. guys that are still teaching and being involved in the game, and I just think that's 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 awesome. And so anything I can do, you know, we're here to support you, and yeah. just appreciate you being involved with the Braves alumni, and and uh, it's been it's been a real good thing. It's been good to see, and I know it's been healthy healthy for you. So thanks for coming yeah. on, and and uh, have to check us out on the on behind the Braves on the podcast, and then also mm-hmm. now on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Will do, man. I all appreciate right. you, man, and all you do for MGBA and what you do for the Braves as well, man. You've been keeping me in the loop over the years and um i just I'm, I'm still waiting on that partnership with mgba and the braves to make this thing happen man that's right with uh us in that development space and hopefully be able to atlanta atlanta deserves that mm-hmm. and uh the braves deserve that baseball deserve that and we'll get a chance to enhance the game all the way around to where it works for everybody man so i'm yeah. looking forward to that opportunity to yeah. make that happen and you know <clears throat> and that'll give us opportunity to bring you back on at some point because we are developing we're getting heavy into the you know the youth sports area with developing tournaments and t- mm. teams and working with groups like yourself so there's a lot more to come definitely on this topic and, and mm. we look forward to that in the future yep. absolutely All right man. thank you so much appreciate Marquise. It. we really appreciate, appreciate it appreciate y'all having me man Man, that was a fun time, Marquise Grissom. Grip, which I love the little story about how he became like how he got that nickname. That was really cool. I was surprised he he could palm a ball. Yeah, nah, he right. he showed it. I mean, again, you can see him. You'll see he's it on the YouTube page. Paws. He's got the he he show he held up the paw. Yeah. so he could still probably do it. Yeah, yeah. that's that's good stuff, Marquise Grissom. Again, mgba dot org, mgba dot org. Check out the uh, the work Marquise does. It's as you just heard there. It's pretty incredible what he's doing and. Talk about somebody that's just giving back to the community he grew up in. That's, uh, that's, that's He exemplifies that, I think. Grew up here, became a, a World Series hero here, and now still here giving back here. That's, it's just incredible what he's doing. Well, you can tell how well-grounded he is, and he alludes back to 
you know, the way his parents brought him up. And he's still that way today. He's never changed. I mean, I've known him since, uh, you know, the early 90s, and he's just the same as he he um, is today as he was then. So um, he's just a well-grounded individual, and I think that's definitely what he he preaches and, and uh, works with his kids on. So I know even with his own kids or with all these kids he works with, I'm sure he – he lets them know exactly where they stand and and how they need to act and and I, I've been around the group. They're they're definitely um, it's a neat group of neat group of people. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, it was interesting hearing him because you know he had to make that choice out of out of high school going to college. You know, football, baseball, and was just an all around athlete. But you know, this time of year, it's is, as we're sitting here recording this today. This isn't going to come out for another week or so after we're recording it, but. Uh, by the time this episode comes out, pitchers and catchers will have reported. It's that time of year. The football days are officially over. The baseball days are ahead. And your Atlanta Braves, our Atlanta Braves, were gearing up for one of the, our most anticipated seasons in recent history. We got. I was thinking about this the other day. We got some of the, the I mean, the game's best players. We've got, in my opinion, in my opinion, we've got three legitimate NL MVP candidates in Freddie Acuna and Josh Donaldson, and honestly, I think you could maybe put Ozzy in there too if he jumps out and has another another big season. But young, energetic team, fun to watch. Uh, if you, if, in case you missed it, the Braves have released their 2019 promotional schedule. We got theme nights, we got free kids activities, we got gate giveaways every Sunday home game, bobblehead giveaways starring Acuna, Ozzy Albies, Josh Donaldson, our famous usher Walter Banks. If I saw the uh, I saw the first prototype of the Walter Banks nice. bobblehead today, it's awesome. It, yeah, it looks just like him. It's I've awesome. still got to get my T-shirt, and uh, maybe I'll get a T-shirt and a bobblehead and then get a picture with Walter. There you go. I've, I was in the clubhouse store the other day. They've got the, the Walter Banks collection still in there. The T-shirts are still in there. So Walter is amazing. He remembers everybody. Also, you can give him any number, and he can tell you what the significance is of that number. <laughs> mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> and you're going to have a lot of chances to come see him. The, the home schedule is stacked in April and May with great matchups, so – Come ring in the springtime at SunTrust Park, the Atlanta Braves. Check out all the upcoming promotions at braves.com slash promos. Atlanta Braves baseball, chop on. I, I just See, just reading that. I'm getting all oh. excited. It, pitchers and catchers are here. I'm reading about the theme nights. And the T-shirt Tuesdays thing is the thing I'm all fired up about, too. Have you seen some of those? Well, I have not. I have not. Oh, I've haven't? seen some things about uh, the uh, posters, and there's all kinds of stuff. I mean, these guys are so creative here mm-hmm. that I can't keep up. I mean, they they ideas are are just everywhere, and then they execute them. So I'm always amazed of what's going to come up for the next year, because they I just like God, I didn't think about that. That that's a great idea. And the theme nights I love, and I'm always asking them to try to mix in some extra theme nights. But they've got they probably got ideas for the next 15 years that they that they're just reeling out. Well, having sat in some of those marketing meetings, I can tell you that it's before like before the 2018 season has even ended, and there's still a lot of marketing <laughs> that has to go on that, especially when your team makes the postseason. Those folks in the marketing department are already already working on ideas and having meetings about the next year. I mean, it, it's it's pretty amazing to sit in on some of those meetings with them, with with, with Adam Zimmerman, Greg Mize, Victoria Klein, Insung Kim and his creative team, Brad Merriweather, Jamie Kaufman, just to sit in a room with them and listen to them come up with all these ideas and debate, okay, what can we do with this? How can we do this? And to see it kind of start just as, as okay, everybody's in a room and we're firing out ideas. What does everybody have? What would everybody bring? And then watching that get 
narrowed down and refined and fine-tuned into a full promotional schedule, marketing schedule, campaign. It's, it is incredible. We are, we're lucky. We're surrounded by a lot of talented people in this building. I agree, and I'm fortunate enough to be involved with the marketing group, and um, as my position is kind of falls in, into that arena, so I get to be a part of that, which I feel very fortunate. But then also I, I look at some of the videos they've been making, you know, all the stuff that we see online or on TV, those guys produce, they're doing a great job, and, and uh, it's been very, very creative, and like you said, a lot of talented people there. Yeah, we're, we're, we're very lucky, very lucky in that, <laughs> that vein, so... We hope you've enjoyed uh, our episode today with Marquise Grissom. Again, mgba.org. Check that out. Uh, I've mentioned it a few times. We've mentioned it a few times. But, hey, these these episodes, these interviews are starting to go up on the Braves YouTube channel. So check that out. Uh, and, again, the pitchers and catchers have reported the season's right around the corner. So, you know, start start yeah, looking that, at your schedule, planning your trips here. That's exciting. I'm heading down to spring training here not, uh, pretty soon. And, you know, there's something about the start of the year – and I, they said it great on MLB last night. You know, the first week is awesome. The fifth week, not so much, but the first right. week, smell the grass, getting back out there, meeting all your teammates, hanging out with your buddies, getting it going is just uh, it's a sign that winter's over with, spring's coming, and uh, the baseball season's right around the corner. So we're we're real excited here. It was great to see some teams already report. Uh, the Braves don't report till around the 15th. I think we're doing. I think the Braves are doing it right because I think you you kind of alluded to it there. I'm not sure that spring training overall needs to be quite as long as it is for most teams, and I think that that's a trend we're trying to kind of push in the right direction. It's like I don't know that we quite need what this full six seven weeks. Well, think about in my it. opinion. The Just my the opinion. S- the starting pitchers used to need it, mm-hmm. but now them only going five innings, they probably don't need it as much anymore. But when you were being prepared to pitch nine innings. Those guys, your four or five guys, they needed that time to to crank it up. But now, not so much. Right. Really, I, I mean, that's why I, I probably didn't give a run for the first three weeks of spring training because nobody was ready to hit a change up. Right. And so I was way ahead of the curve. Now, you know, towards the end of spring training, the hitters are starting to adjust, but early on, so it is different. But yeah, I, I think spring training is is too long. I don't know if they'll ever change that, but certainly if they wanted to. They wanted to cut back on some some expenses. That would be a way to do that because it right <clears throat> as it stands today with the current players and what's needed to get ready for season, it's too long. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm anxious to hear about your travels because you're going down to Northport to the new spring training facility, and I'm yeah. really looking forward to hearing uh, hearing about your travels down there and what uh, what that place. Yeah, looks I've like. seen pictures. It looks gorgeous. It certainly does. And we're going to play the last game of spring training down there this year on March 24th. So we're looking forward to that. That'll be great for the fans in that area. But also, I'm going down to prep for fantasy camp to 2020. We have our first camp in Northport, so I've got to figure out housing and, and what we're going to do at night and all that good stuff. So I get to go down and spend three days. We're also starting a golf tournament down there. Uh, I think we're, with, uh, we're supporting Habitat for Humanity in Northport area. And so we're going to have an annual event a Braves event, a golf tournament down there in spring training. So we're kicking off the first one. So uh, Chris Medlin and myself are going down there to help kick that off. And while I'm down there, I'm going to be working on prepping for fantasy camp. So I'm looking forward to that, getting a full tour, working with Mike Dunn down there, who's our general manager, getting the full tour of what everything looks like and how it's laid out and, and all that good stuff. So I'll bring back some good pictures and, cool. and have, have some 
have some more stuff to talk about. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, it's, that's the same, just like we were talking about the marketing team having to start, you know, before one season's over, they're already playing for the next <laughs> one. You just got back from fantasy camp. I know. And it's I time. Know. you got to start playing the next well, one. Well, April 1st, I gotta have the, I've got to have registration open. We've got – we have about a 60% return rate, and we have campers that come every year. We've just had our first group that have been eight years in a row, and they, they're ready to go. They're, they want to know. They're planning, saving – uh, for next year, and and so if I don't have it up and going, you know, I start getting some emails and mm-hmm. phone calls. So I got to be ready to go. That's awesome. Well, that's going to be that should be a good one. That's going to be and next year will be the only chance to be the first first edition of Fantasy Camp at the new place. So that should be a, that should be a hot ticket. That should be one you want to check out to be the first group to ever have Fantasy Camp at the new place in Northport. And I think that'd be a, check that out. Yeah, Definitely like check that out. I like it. Thanks. Good deal. All right. Well, for Greg McMichael, I'm Ricky Mast. Thank you all, as always. The positive reviews continue to roll in. I I check them, and I'm always amazed at how many people leave us just the kind words, and they're still reviewing and, and are still discovering the show. I mean, we're seeing numbers from our first episodes we put out with what were the first two. I think Glav was our very first one back in September. And to see people going back and checking out those old episodes and still discovering the show. It's been awesome, so keep reviewing, keep telling a friend, put it on your Instagram story, tweet about it, and we we can't thank you enough. So for Greg McMichael, I'm Ricky Mast. We'll see you next time on Behind the Braves. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.